Who is God and what is he really up to in this world? Find out next on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what they say you're like. So goes the song. But what is God really like? We find the answer in Jesus. And he's our focus today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're about to continue our study in the book of Hebrews. We began this wonderful book on our last broadcast, and we learned that it emphasized what God has done in the Old Testament is made clear by what Jesus did and said that's recorded for us in the New Testament. We pick up today's broadcast in Hebrews 1, verse 2, with the summary message of the prophets, but made plain in Jesus. God is coming to visit his creation. God is coming. Second verse, the full revelation isn't found in the Old Testament, it's found in the New. Has in these last days, literally the final part of the last days, the last of the last days, you could say, spoken to us by son. Notice the word his is in italics. The translators want us to understand that they added it to help us. It does not. We'll come back to that. Whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. And this begins the list of seven attributes, seven characteristics of the son, which is, of course, where he's going. Now, this is the Son of God, but what is really being conveyed here is a rearrangement of those words, God the Son. And I say that very bluntly because I want to confront the false teachings of this world that says Jesus was another prophet. No. Jesus was a good man. He was, but that's not why he came. Jesus was the son of an angel. No. Jesus is the brother of Michael or Lucifer. No. Jesus is otherworldly. Jesus is not created. We'll see in just a moment. So, final days, Jesus came and started and brought with him a new age, if I dare say, because <laughs> we all know that there's some crazy new age stuff. Maybe it would be better to say brought the messianic age. And there is no third age coming. This is the Messiah, and it's now him. And these last days spoke to us by son. This is the first comparison. This is the comparison of the Son, God the Son, versus prophets, versus what the Old Testament said. It had been through Hebrew prophets speaking to Jews. Now it is the Son to us. Doesn't matter what tribe or tongue or even age you're living in now. God is speaking through the Son. The Son to us or literally in us. Now this is not saying he's the latest in the line of prophets. This is saying 
that Jesus Christ did not come to bear the message. Jesus Christ is the message. Eh? Jesus' life was on display so that we would understand who God is. Jesus lived out his life before us. Jesus did not come to tell us the good news. Jesus is the good news. This puts the Old Testament and the New Testament on completely different footings. The Old Testament was a message. The New Testament is a relationship. Jesus is superior to the prophets because he is the whole truth of God, not little pieces of it. When God the Son speaks, everything he says is true. There's so many layers to it, that's why you and I have to take it apart slowly. So, by the Son and in the Son, he is both messenger and message. And what is the message of God? Well, it's the reason that it's the most famous scripture in the Bible. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe on him would have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn, look down on, point the finger at the world, but that through him we might have eternal life. It's the same. God loves. God cares. God is all about mercy. God is all about establishing a relationship with you, personal, not with a church, not with a pastor, not with anyone else. It's you and God. That's what he's looking for you to spend time with him. The invitation is come, come. God is a God of love, grace, and mercy, and this is the only religion in the world that speaks so. You cannot find that concept in Hinduism. It is not possible to find it in Buddhism. It is not part of Confucianism. You cannot find a single verse in the Quran that describes God loving the creation. God loves you, so loves you. Yeah, everybody else in the room. But take that, you, God loves you. <laughs> that comedian, right? It's you, you are important to God. You matter to God. Aristotle, who died in like 322 BC, he spoke on the subject of the Greek God, or the head of God, Zeus. Uh, Romans and Greeks believed the same in that sense. He said, it would be strange for anyone to claim that he loved Zeus. Why? Because Zeus had bad Mondays every day. He's slinging lightning bolts. He's angry all the time. The opposite of what God is. God is different. Clearly states love. How so? First John, letter of John, 4.8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Whew. That's not complicated, is it? Three words, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, so that we wouldn't miss it, John says it a second way, 416, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God 
is love. There it is again. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. God sent his own son so that we would have a complete picture of his motive, of who he is. A forgiving God, not angry, a loving God, full of mercy. Some have likened this love of God to the love of a mother for a newborn baby. She's already sacrificed a lot of her life just by getting pregnant, set aside a lot of things she wanted to be and do. Even before the baby is born, it begins. Some ladies are going, oh man, does it? But after the birth, the sacrifice continues. Each time the baby cries, mom is disturbed through the night, and she gets up, usually with about an hour of sleep. (laughs) They time it so well, don't they? Those little monsters. Well, she is spending time repeatedly feeding and changing diapers and washing bedclothes and spit up and just all that stuff that goes on with kids. She often hovers over the baby and speaks to it, giving it a protective environment. This is God. She loves the baby with a love that she cannot describe in words. But most amazing about this picture is that the newborn baby does not love her. Oh, Pastor, how can you say that? (laughs) Newborn babies love themselves, and that's about it. But moms work on that from the time the baby comes out, handed to mom. And what's she doing? She's all over that kid, kissing, talking, speaking into its ears, cuddling it, holding it, wooing it. For months this goes on. And the kid is just saying, take care of me. But then that day comes. The day that my wife lived for when our first daughter looked up and said, mommy, I love you. And she was done. She was on the floor crying. And I walked in, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's so beautiful. (laughs) Okay, there you go. That's God love for you. Wow. What a picture of God's love Pastor Ed Ray has given us today on Growing Grace. Now Pastor Ed continues today's teaching from Hebrews chapter 1 with a sevenfold description of Jesus. Heir, appointed heir of all things. He's the creator. He made the worlds. Thirdly, he's the sustainer, the upholder all things by the word of his power. He's the radiance, the brightness of God. He's the image, the express image of his person. He's the redeemer. He purged our sins. And finally, he is the ruler of the whole earth. Appointed heir of all things. Why would one who created all things be inherited? Well, the Greek word has a side to it that we don't have in English. We think of inheritance as only some possessions coming to us after someone died, the death of a testator. Well, in the New Testament, the word has the sense of get possession of, but it's a title. And this is actually saying a title of dignity about Jesus, that Jesus' reentry into his rightful place in heaven as everything coming to him. 
Now, we brought nothing into this world, neither will we take anything out. As Job said, naked came I into the world, and naked will I return. One of our men's groups were just going through the Persian kings, and Xerxes was a king of Persia who was amazingly, fabulously wealthy. And one of his contemporaries said that whatever Xerxes wanted, whatever whim he had, he got. You need a new country today? We'll go get you one. That kind of an idea. But when he died, not knowing God, what did he get? Eternity separated from God. None of the things of this world go with him. So Jesus Christ has been appointed heir of all things, but he also has made you, believer, a joint heir with him. Right? You are in the will. You get part of it. He's the one who ultimately makes the choice, as in our wills today, joint heirs share. But God has for you eternity, a fabulous eternity beyond what you can imagine. And every time a person tries, I think of that verse that says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, of humanity, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even, I can't even imagine it. That's what he's saying. Second attribute, through whom he made the worlds, which requires that he was there when the worlds were made, which, of course, is what Scripture says. Jesus was there, and in fact, nothing was created that wasn't created by him. And, and sometimes new Christians especially, we get confused, well, I thought God created this world. Well, he did. But this says that Jesus created the world. It's the same thing. God the Son, the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. The Word, capital W, Jesus, he is the Word. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything went through him. We'll come back to that again when we get to another attribute here in the last verse. Who being the brightness of his glory, verse 3, the express image of his person, number 4, upholding all things by the word of his power, number 5, when he had by himself purged our sins, number six, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, number seven. Okay, he's the brightness. The word is radiance. It means a ray of light coming from or off of something. It both work for Jesus. When the star that we call our sun radiates, we can feel the effects. And we say, without skipping a beat, that the sun is bright today or that the sun is hot today. No, it's the same temperature that it was last week and last year and as far back as you can go. Well, what we mean, of course, is the radiation that comes from it is felt more today or because it's less overcast or no June gloom. And so we get stuck in that little thing. The two are equated when we talk about the Son, and the two are equated when we talk about the Son of God. Uh, they are inseparable in concert, together as one. The express image of his person, number four. Uh, this word is character. 
in the Greek language, this is where we get our English word character, we mean a single symbol on a page of a typewriter or somebody that presses it into some, a seal that presses into clay or to hot wax. But it has an additional concept to it in the Greek language that we, it doesn't carry in English. And it's that it's a perfect mirror image. That when you push the, the ring, the signet ring into the wax to sign a letter or a document, it's a perfect, exact representation, mirror image of that particular corresponding engraving on the seal. Jesus said in John 14, 9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Now, that's pretty audacious. <laughs> no, it's true. It's just reality. When you've seen Jesus, and when you will see him, when you take your last breath instantly, the next breath will have you looking eyeball to eyeball upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, because of my science background, this particular fifth one, the Greek word used for upholding is phero, and it means active. This is not a passive word. This is a present indicative. It's happening, happened in the past, happening now, will happen into the future. He is, in fact, even now in the present tense, holding all things together by his word, by his word. It's God's providence. Verse 17 of Colossians 1. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Same concept. Everything is held together. Jesus Christ is the force that hangs everything together. Now, side trip, quick one. There are four fundamental forces in physics. There's the electromagnetic force. There's the force of gravity. And then there is the weak and the strong nuclear forces. And those forces describe how everything is put together. That's the attempt. We haven't gotten there yet in science. So we learned in junior high science that there was a proton in the middle of every atom, and everything is made from the atomic structure. Everything, alive or dead, rocks or grass out there, animal, mineral, vegetable, all of them consist of everything material on this planet is made from atoms. Oh, you got this little proton positively charged in the middle, and uh, you've got a neutron, and then more complex atoms have many protons, many neutrons, and around them, a cloud of electrons in the larger atoms. And we were comfortable, because we can remember three subatomic particles smaller than the atom. But that turns out that's not the whole story. It's not that they lied to us, <laughs> it's that we're learning more about them. Now, uh, the meson was discovered in 1949, and we work our way up to uh, 18 months ago when the 17th subatomic particle called the boson, the Higgs, H-I-G-G-S boson was discovered. And everybody was excited because it validated all that money that was spent on the CERN collider 17 miles of track under the ground and just outside of Geneva, Switzerland, and we found the God particle it was advertised as. But as we all suspected, it wasn't God, and it created as many questions as it uncovered. So why are we talking about fundamental particles again, Lord? 
Because that's what you said, Jesus. You said you hold everything together by your power actively right now today. So, a few months ago, the article in Wired, uh, the magazine in their science section, said, quote, physicists still don't know why the weak force is able to overpower gravity. We still don't have a particle to explain gravity, nor dark matter, or bosons, and a whole bunch of other things. So you can say, today you learned in church that Jesus is still holding everything together, as he said. <laughs> it's not for eternity, but it is for now. And I could, there's five more pages of stuff. Let me close with this summary. This is good stuff, too. Maybe we can talk a little bit about it next time. Okay, since we're talking about subatomic particles, and, and we'll close with an illustration from that. So on uh, May 21st, 1946, uh, these young physicists, four of them, were working in Los Alamos, New Mexico. The guy with the sunglasses on looking pretty cool for 1946, his name is Slotin, and uh, they're leaning over something. What is that? Oh, just your basic atomic bomb with... 22 pounds of U-235 uranium, two hemispheres of it. You see, they were trying to find the amount of uranium that brings critical mass, that starts the reaction of nuclear fission, F-I-S-S-O-N, not fusion, F-U-S-S-O-N, which is the hydrogen bomb that was coming. And they were in this well-designed and furbished lab, and he's using very expensive tools. I think that screwdriver says craftsman on it. <laughs> okay, so let me read to you. This is from a book, Chasing the Dragon's Tale, a man who was there, one of those four men. He said, just as the mass became critical, Slotin would push them apart with his screwdriver, thus instantly stopping the chain reaction. But on that day, just as the material became critical, the screwdriver slipped and the hemispheres of uranium got sucked together. Instantly, the room was filled with a dazzling bluish light, a haze. Young Slotin, instead of ducking and thereby saving himself, tore the two hemispheres apart with his bare hands and thus interrupted the chain reaction. By this instant self-forgetful daring, he saved the lives of the seven other people in the room, let alone those around the perimeter. As he waited for the car that was to take him to the hospital, he said quietly to his companion physicist, you'll come through this all right, but I haven't the faintest chance myself. It was only true, true. Nine days later, he died in agony. 20 centuries ago, God the Son came, took on a human body, and stepped into the full force of the power of sin and absorbed it in his body on a cross for me, for you. We read, when he had by himself purged our sins. He broke the chain reaction of sin down through the centuries. He purged, removed, cleansed my sin and yours. Thanks for being with us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Did you miss a portion of the message or was there a part you wanted to hear again? Just go online to thepackinghouse.org for a replay. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. That's thepackinghouse.org 
or listen to us on Apple Podcasts. One more option is to call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners, and we're thankful for each and every gift that comes our way. If you've been blessed by the teaching you've received through this radio program and would like to support what we're doing in this new year, please give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. And as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This book brings together what Lewis saw as the fundamental truths of Christianity. And in it, he sets out to defend the beliefs that believers through the ages hold in common. And I know you'll be encouraged by what he has to say. So again, you can ask for your copy of Mere Christianity when you give today. Give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace as you study along with us. And if that's happening in your life, please do write us. It would mean a lot to hear if these daily studies have an impact on your life. And if you have a question related to our study or a prayer request, by all means, send those our way. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. Again, packinghouseradio at aol.com. Then join us for the next Grow in Grace as we continue through the Bible with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship and online at packinghouse.org. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, gotta dwell with man. Sick, be healed, and the crippled stand singing, Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.